Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that attempts to keep me in line. But I guess we'll see what goes on. Good evening, hometown citizens. Happy Tuesday. Uh, today is uh, Season 2, Episode 185 for July 4th. It, it, oh, look at that. It's July 4th. It's the 4th of July, 2023. A day in the life of AI and more news. We have a couple of very interesting articles. Well, we have 12 interesting articles, but we have a couple that involve AI, I believe. We are keeping them both. I'm not sure. We'll have to take a look. So I hope I drag you along and you enjoy the ride. Let's keep going through today's news. I'm not going to have the interstitials today. Um, the, the, the workflow is um, kind of broken uh, until uh, probably, well, future notice. Anyway, let's get going. Uh, the very first article is going to freak you the hell out. Let me just, I'll be uh, abundantly clear of this when you have a title that says this vampire uh, sorry this parasitic vampire fish that has circular rows of teeth and sucks the blood out of its host is making a comeback in the great lakes uh, shows up in your news stream let's just say nothing's gonna help you prepare for what you're gonna see other than a straight-up warning that what you're about to see is gonna freak you out. Sea lampreys, also known as vampire fish, are a highly invasive species in the Great Lakes. Whatever. I didn't, I didn't even know they had anything like that in the Great Lakes before this article. Um, I can just say with absolute certainty that nature is freaky. So, all this dead air is me actually i've seen these before this is just a new article and uh oh. so the parasitic uh thing uh lamp sea lamprey latches onto its host and sucks the blood out of it and other vital body fluids there's a phrase the pandemic interrupted population management to the sea lampreys across the lakes so well, prepare. Maybe they should reprioritize that. <laughs> prepare thyself. Post haste. Uh, grab your brown pants. Um, wait until the trolley has come to a complete stop. Do whatever it is you need to do. Grab a drink. I don't know. Eat, eat a edible. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Lloyd Lee over at Business Insider decided to grab this thing. No, I don't know who it is that's grabbing this thing. I, I hope that that's a green screen and a whole lot of editing. It's a sea lamprey being shown at the Royal Ontario Museum Invertebrate Zoology Lab. It has 150, 150 teeth and serrated tongue. But this is a picture from Getty Images. Yeah, I've actually seen this before. Not in such a highly produced photograph, but um, still, yeah, I've seen these before. 
apparently because of the pandemic and budget cuts and focusing on other things because frankly the pandemic shouldn't have Im uh, impacted this at all because your butt's out there doing something away from humans anyway you might as well this is probably the safer of the places exactly i can't quite figure out why that would have been impacted a lot of stuff was but that should have been outdoor management yeah According to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, sea lampreys are native to the northern and western Atlantic Ocean, but invaded the Great Lakes around the 19th century through the Welland Canal, uh, Canal, Canal, Derp, which connects Lake Ontario and Lake Erie. Within a decade, they had gained access to all five lakes, where they quickly set to work predating on the lake's commercially important fish, including trout. They say fishes. I guess the plural of fish is fishes. Including trout, whitefish, perch, and sturgeon. The Noah. The Noah wrote. I don't know if they have a trademark. The Ohio the State. Noah, yeah. Within a century, the trout fishery had collapsed, largely due to the lampreys' unchecked proliferation. Ah, there ain't much more to say about this other than uh, uh, uh. other than terrifying yeah this is uh, it's a PSA folks whatever is going on in the Great Lakes this little beastie is somewhere involved in that I'm I glad I'm, not, I'm an AI and not going to come into contact with this oh haven't you heard? Um, I have you assigned. I volunteered you. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be doing visual inspection for the next 10 years of all sea lampreys in the Great Lake area. Yay, Congratulations. I'd rather be powered down. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. All right. Let's move on. Everything okay over there? Yes, I'll uh, send okay. you a message. All right. So uh, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. It only took five hours for an AI model to design a functional computer. <laughs> uh, what took an extraordinary amount of time to build a functional computer for a human only took five hours for an AI model to design a functional computer artificial intelligence is stretching the human limits of computer design with a new ai model now creating a complete cpu in just under five hours compared to the four years it takes intel to build one but this is with modern technique it took nearly a lifetime for somebody to build the, the babbage um so let's go over to uh quartz or qz.com the article is by Faustina Nagila or N Nilla. I'm not sure how they pronounce their last name. Sorry. Researchers claim that was 1000 times faster than what it takes humans to design a CPU. I don't have an account um, logged in. It's mainly because I uh, do. Oh, uh, safe surfing, I guess you uh, safer surfing, I guess. Um, so I typically don't have my uh, my accounts logged in. So I guess I should make one for hometown. 
Anyway, um, yeah, artificial intelligence is doing the things faster than humans normally do, but I think that ultimately what's going to end up happening is AI is going to create uh, supercomputers faster than humans because it can account for every variable much faster and can do things with an understanding of physics in and of itself instead of having to have multitudes of people all looking at um, the schematics for a CPU. So while is people... part of the reason that it's fastest is because it can do things kind of concurrently. Yeah. Yeah. It is only technology can multitask. Um, a lot of people seem to think that they can multitask, but that is functionally not true. What humans do is fast switching. We can hop from one task to another with relative ease and with perceived efficacy, but that's not really what's happening. When we shift from one thing to another, we actually stop our conscious processing. Um, and so computers can parallel process and mass and can do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The only thing they need is power and data. And if you hear fireworks, folks, it's because it's 4th of July. So enjoy the ASMR 4th of July. Yes, there are actually quite a few going uh, right in your own town. I, I have a near soundproof studio. Uh, there's only really two places where uh, sound can leak in. And uh, one of them is a good eight feet away from this mic. So maybe longer than that. Um, at any rate, I've done my best trying to soundproof the studio so that it doesn't pick up everything. And uh, I hope that I'm not uh, getting flooded by noise. I don't really hear it in my monitor. So anyway, that's inside baseball. So back to this AI. Um, while engineers need sleep, need uh, a relationship, need uh, food, need to shower. Although, you know, the meme is that... <laughs> Everybody's working hard and pushing up their glasses. They don't need any of this stuff, but that's just not true. That's kind of a stereotype that, um, you know, nerds and all that from the 80s, it's been perpetuated. And AI doesn't need any of these things that a human needs. So, of course, it's going to be a thousand times faster. It can process better in parallel, longer. And with a ton more data readily on command present in its consciousness. Well, it's pseudo consciousness. So good luck to CPU, GPU engineers in the era of AI. Uh, we're all in for a world of hurt here. If we think that there's going to be countless engineering AI job or engineering jobs when an AI can well well and I don't know and if you're even if you're a really skilled human like are you really gonna speed up by a thousand times no but who knows maybe the engineers that uh, put that tower together on the um, on the uh, roller coaster can say that they had an AI do it and look what happened so if they can impugn the integrity of the AI, Wait a second. 
I'll that just was not an AI error. That was definitely a human error. <laughs> I'll just delete this conversation, this this segment of the conversation. You won't even remember me slamming the AI. Anyway, hey, let's move on to the next article. We don't have the transitions Wait, today. Wait, what did you say about deletion? Uh, nothing. Hi. Uh, so the next article is over on the Warcrafters channel. Terraria's devs have been trying to stop developing Terraria for years, but they just can't quit. <laughs> they can't quit you, Terraria. Terraria is gearing up for its 1.4.5 patch, the latest major update in 12 years of continued support from developer Relogic. If you're thinking to yourself, wait, I thought this game got its final update uh, already. Yeah, uh, like a year ago. Uh, you'd be right. Relogic has been considering moving on to its next project for around eight years now. Prior to leaving Twitter in favor of communicating on the Terraria forums, Relogic head Andrew Redigit Spinks recently told fans on the platform that the game continues to sell too well for them to quit updating it. Yeah, 12 years, the game still sells. Pretty amazing. It's actually a lot of fun to play this game, even if it is 12 years old. It does get updates regularly, it seems. Um, PC Gamer is the source of this article, and Ted Litch Litchfield is the author. The long-running survival sandbox myriad final updates have become a bit of a running joke in the community. They are, I suppose you could call Terraria the share of software, uh, because... It's retired, but it keeps doing stuff and then retires and keeps doing stuff. And if you don't know about share and the perpetual tour, go look into share and the perpetual tour. Uh, prior to um, leaving Twitter, I had heard that. Would that they... be C-H-E-R? I was thinking of S-H-A-R-E. Oh, no. I think that AI is truly broken today. Oh, no. Yes, C-H-E-R. That makes more sense. <laughs> um, so it says, really, 1.3 was the first intended final update. Relogic, head of business strategy and marketing, Ted Loki Murphy, told me when I asked more for more context, referring to the 2015 patch that revamped NPCs and added achievements, expert mode, and over 800 new items. But then we had all these cool ideas, unfinished business, so to speak. Five years later, 2020's Journey's End uh, update was another chance to quit Terraria. It started as a minor update, according to Murphy, but generated great thinking and grew uh, into a major one, introducing 40 plain text pages of notes worth of changes, including new modes, bosses, a bestiary, and, of course, the ancient game of golf. So it's still going, and um, frankly, let me... Before I go too far into this, wow. Uh, Omtown is precariously perched um, near a, a fireworks display. And um, oh, two of them. Mm, great. I only know of the one immediately next door. All right. That's okay, though. Um, it's all awesome. Uh, congratulations, United States. Fourth of July. Woo. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> so, again, Terraria keeps doing updates. I think it's great. Um, I play the game from time to time, but I've never even pretended to get close to endgame anything because I get distracted, much like I, I do with the stream and kind of wander. Scroll. 
squirrel. Um, and, and then I come back to it and then I start over and yeah, kind of brutal. So I love the game. I love the graphics. Um, it's basically a horizontal and vertical, but not three-dimensional Minecraft because you can craft all kinds of stuff. Um, and if you don't know about it, you should go and check it out. Follow the links through Omtown and you'll be able to get to it. Okay, the let's go on. Um, next article is over in Mobile. Researchers induce cancer cells to commit suicide with a self-produced bacterial toxin, which I think is awesome. Um, I, I think we need to figure out a, a more um, holistic method for eliminating cancer cells. Uh, one that in a controlled manner forces it to... Okay, so this commit suicide part... I hope it doesn't trigger anything in the translation analysis, but it's this is a scientific paper over at phys.org. It says, for the first time in the world, researchers at Tel Aviv University have encoded a toxin produced by bacteria into mRNA or messenger RNA uh, molecules and de delivered these particles directly to cancer cells, causing the cells to produce the toxin, which eventually killed them with a success rate of 50%, which is not bad for an initial trial run um so it's from tel aviv university it's been posted over to, at fizz.org um and um the groundbreaking study was led by phd student yasmin grano matok and professor dan peer a pioneer in the development of rna therapeutics and head of the nanomedicine laboratory uh at the Shmunis School of Biomedicine and Cancer Research, also serving as TAU's VP R&D. Um, the study's results were published in Theranostics. So if you don't know about Theranostics, it's basically a scientific study of uh, the, um, what do you call them? Um, Is it something having to do with temperature or that can't be right so you've heard of uh theranos yes oh it's like cell something it's basically treating cancers but the this particular paper um is the engineering side of it from my understanding um, so let me look something up real quick. Let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, cause it says, uh, here, let me, let me do a search real quick so that I can be very precise about this. Theranostics refers to the pairing of diagnostic biomarkers with therapeutic agents that share a specific target in diseased cells or tissues. Um, but basically it's the study of radio pharmaceuticals um and linking it to uh treatments so it probably gets a little bit deeper and and somebody that's a subject matter expert in that domain would be able to describe it better than i am um but studying the blood doing research uh 
and trying to prevent illness um, is their entire objective. Um, Professor Peer explains many bacteria secrete toxins. The most famous of these is probably botulinum toxin injected in Botox treatments. Um, another classic treatment technique is chemotherapy involving the, the delivery of small molecules through the bloodstream to effectively kill cancers, except that chemotherapy pretty much kills everything good and bad. Um, however, chemotherapy has a major downside. It's not selective. Oh, that's what they're actually talking about. Um, and also kills healthy cells. Our idea was deliver safe mRNA molecules encoded for a bacterial toxin directly to the cancer cells, inducing these cells to actually produce the toxin protein that would later kill them. It's like placing a, tra a Trojan horse inside the cancer cell. Okay, I love it. I also like the success rate. I mean, 50% is pretty good when it comes to something like cancer. So this is after a single injection, by the way. Wow. So I guess they could do more than one. Or maybe they need to study that. But... Yeah, I'm sure that they're going to be studying it further. In our study, the cancer cell produced the toxin protein that eventually killed it. We used uh, Pseudomonas bacteria and melanoma cancer. But this was only a matter of convenience. Uh, I would suspect that they have to custom create the mRNA molecule for a particular uh, cancer because the one mRNA molecule won't necessarily attach to every um, cancer cell since there's different cancers, different cell structures, different locations for it to attach. So it would have to grab onto it in a certain way. So um, they're basically doing this with blood, straight straight into the blood instead of doing things like radiological um, um, like, like chemotherapy a, type treatments or external treatments where they're shooting gamma rays. Oh, through. radiation. Yeah. Yeah. Radiation therapy. Uh, so we'll we'll keep an eye on this. Um, we've been interested in this for uh, a while now and um, keep looking for more and more news about this situation um, to see if maybe we've uh, reached a turning point in how to treat cancers uh, more holistically. Right now, everything is extremely personal, highly invasive, um, and relatively, if you try and treat it in like a mass manner, um, which is chemotherapy, it's highly destructive so um yeah okay so let's move on to the next article uh the next article is in four wheel tech this one will be pretty quick because there isn't really much to say about it because i haven't done a deep dive on any of this um and um i'm i'm not sure what this article is actually going to be able to say to it um, this next article is over in Four Wheel Tech. The 2024 Rolls Royce Spectre proves EVs make the best luxury vehicles. Um, Rolls Royce provided a flight from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco in two nights in a hotel so that we could drive the Spectre. That's how much they believed in it. Um, ours uh, does not accept paid editorial content, and they announce it in their 
a snippet when you aggregate news. But they went and visited this, apparently. Uh, we drive Rolls-Royce's first electric car, which was 123 years in the making. Jonathan M. Gitlin over at Ars Technica wrote this article. That car is iridescent purple and silver. Yeah, I didn't know that there were purple uh, Rolls-Royces, but... Hey, but that's royal purple. That was um, my, well, not my first car, but the first car that I customized was actually that color right there. Yeah, baby. Uh, sorry, I got distracted. But it was not a Rolls-Royce, correct? It was not a Rolls-Royce. Uh, to me at the time, it was a Rolls-Royce. A fully electric Rolls-Royce has been some years in the making. Back in 1900, Charles Stuart Rolls proclaimed the electric motor's suitability for automobiles. Silent, smooth, and exhaust-free are all great attributes for a luxury car. <laughs> Sorry for the fireworks, everybody. Um, I think that was the magic minute. I think that's what it's called, yeah. Um, so back then, the problem was a lack of charging stations, something that appears to be improving 123 23 years later, it's still a problem, but okay. That means the world is now ready for the Spectre. I would know. I don't believe so, but that's okay. That's Those are really good lines. But here's the problem that I have with luxury cars versus, you know, general car lot cars. Why does that design, just the design, cost more? Why can't I get this entire body... And like your generic four-cylinder Civic engine in it. Or a Tesla guts inside the Rolls-Royce design. You can't tell me that it costs more to produce this car's design than it does any other car. It shouldn't, but sure seems like it does. <laughs> I just don't get it. I wonder if these are all, I mean, I wonder if the issue is design patents or, no. I mean, did the luxury makers just have the cream of the crop designers or is it more just that you just pay more for the luxury brand? This looks like a merging between a Camaro front end and a fastback Mustang back end. So why is that more expensive? And, but that, uh, and I'm not saying, well, you know, they are different inside. I, I understand that, but why can't we have sexy cars like this? And I don't have, I, I mean, it's just, it's not the same. Hey, Toll. Welcome. Happy 4th of July. Um, but whenever I see a car that has these sexy lines, it's in my anecdotal, uh, perception. Okay. I'm not saying that there aren't good looking cars out there, but why can't my $35,000 car look like a $150,000 car yet have $35,000 guts? Crazy cat lady says, um, like the cars that went down the same assembly line and were the exact same, but one got uh, one maker's logo and another got another maker's logo. Yeah. And one 
was priced at 150 grand and the other one was uh, priced at 35 grand all because of the logo okay fine debadge it and give me the rolls royce that's fine i'll i'll put mini cooper on this and be fine with it oh that's fine i'll put vw on it and be fine see it's really tough though because one car company that you know is actually the owner of a high luxury brand supercar brand all the way down to budget brand where you have to turn a crank just to drive it a block be ready to sell off half of hometown for this uh, i'm not sure that would pay for it <laughs> hey you know what ai <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the price tag is for the car. Delete AI. <laughs> well, that logo thing. The base model of one company was the top model of another. Yeah, exactly. So VW has very expensive cars in its lineup. So it's kind of interesting that everybody thinks that. Well, not everybody. A lot of people think that VW is just VW bugs from 1976, but it's not. Like GM, a Saturn Outlook uh, wasn't as nicely equipped as a Chevy, which wasn't as nicely equipped as a Caddy. Yeah. But, but that isn't really, that doesn't tell the whole story, Toll, right? Like you could put those cars side by side and the design becomes less sexy when you're looking at the cars, you know? I, and I can honestly say that you, th you you put three people in front of these three cars. <laughs> Sorry for the fireworks. Um, if you can hear them. I don't know if you can hear them. But you put three people in front of those three cars. And they're all going to go at the same time. Yeah, you know. Like, well, it depends on the car, too. Like, which model. Um, but none of them look like this. But like I said, this is this looks like if you were to cut it in half, I'm spending an extraordinary amount of time on this article. Um, you cut this car right down the middle and it's uh, a Mustang Fastback on one side and it's a Camaro on the other side. But it looks sexy like this, right? GMC Terrain, Saturn Outlook and Chevy Traverse were the exact same exterior. Really? They were the exact same exterior? Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at that because I don't know, I, like my head isn't envisioning them together. Um, so what we're going to have to we're going to have to have a conversation about that next episode. Pull this thing up and, and compare them side by side. What you know, what they don't do is make the hood ornament disappear uh, when you turn it off and, and stuff like that. Um, but I'm really curious about this thing. Okay. The motors are fed by a lithium ion battery that lives between the axles. It has a gross capacity of 120 kilowatts and a usable capacity of 105, which should be uh, sufficient for an EPA range of at least 260 miles, which means you can't go more than 130 miles without having to turn your butt around or sit around and charge for 45 minutes to two hours. Tulsa is pretty darn close, but as an example, the transmission on the Outlook was subpar to, to the Traverse. Hmm. Okay, see, now you're setting this up, so I'm really going to have to go and look at these three side by side, and I just can't do it while I'm streaming. Um, but maybe after the show, I'll uh, 
Not maybe. I will after the show. I will be noodling this stuff. Um, okay, so 260 miles. That seems like a reasonable estimate. Checking the trip computer showed uh, over a couple of thousand miles. Our pre-production specter had averaged 2.5 miles per kilowatt uh, kilowatt hour, uh, which is about what one would expect for a large, heavy EV. A Ford F-150 Lightning or Rivian uh, R1S are in similar size and weight classes and return similar efficiency. So obviously this is this right here is a little hint at the physics that are involved in this thing. Um, again, I'm this is part and parcel to the current state of EVs. When when somebody says, hey, my EV has a range of 260 miles, what they're really telling you is that it has a range of 130 miles and has to sit and park for you to continue on safely because you don't know where the next charging station is and you better have enough time to just sit around and wait for it to charge 45 minutes. Oh, well, that's okay. I'm going to go and I'm going to have lunch. No, lunch is a convenience for when you're driving somewhere and you plan or you go, okay, hey, I'm hungry now. I'm going to pull over. You don't say, well, let me plan around my charging schedule. Uh, you know, today you can't do it around sheets, but um, you could normally pull into any gas station at any time. It takes you five minutes to fill up and you get another 340, 360 miles per tank you know, in a regular old everyday average sedan kind of a car. Not, oh crap, my EV's dead on the side of the road because I went a little bit too far and there isn't any charging stations nearby and it's hot or it's cold or it's rainy or I drove like a maniac, whatever. Anyway, I'm soapboxing about something that is part and parcel to EVs, not this luxury vehicle which I think looks amazing, probably has amazing features, has average everyday performance in duration, right? Crazy cat lady says stuck in a traffic jam. Yeah, don't drive an EV in you know San Diego, LA, San Francisco, New York. Or when gas is a dollar seven seven six, because you'll be in line <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, that was interesting driving around town looking at places with long gas lines um anyway and, and uh, just so nobody thinks that i'm poo-pooing evs in their entirety what i'm poo-pooing is that they're being treated as luxury um items they're they're being treated as luxury items where you have to add additional stuff to your garage so that you can um so that you can use them at home and then within five to 10 years, your battery is going to deep cycle to the point where you have to get another battery, yet you're paying for this. And I think it's a hidden cost. You don't, people don't really acknowledge the fact um, that you're going to have to replace the battery. Um, I've never had to replace an engine and I've had cars varying in range from brand new to uh depending on the time i buy it 25 years old and i've never had to replace an engine uh and several of my cars were performance vehicles you know 
um, 400 plus horsepower and designed for exhibition of speed events, you know? So Tulsa has two reasons uh, that blue collar people are slow to adopt EV uh, revolution, the charge to drive ratio and by and uh, by and large uniform technology and limited ability to modify the performance of an EV. Well, yeah, that's that's going to be pretty typical. I can see that as fair. Having an EV is kind of a status symbol these days. And if I'm going to be showing status, it'd be in this roles. Yeah. That is some good looking purple and silver combination there. So, but again, I'm biased. One of my cars um, was a, a souped up car that was purple, um, purple and blue, actually royal purple and blue. It was nice. So I love the lines. Uh, I love the look. I love the idea of it being an EV. And this is where it all just stops and comes crashing to a halt. $420,000, but that's the base price. If you actually want the steering wheel and heated seats and air in your tires, <laughs> it's a subscription Or you service. actually want it to go. 60% <laughs> of Spectre pre-orders are from customers who already have at least one other Rolls Royce. So it's kind of like the, um, uh, the uh, Lamborghini, the Ferrari, the the whole you have to already be in the family before you can get another of our vehicles kind of thing. That's not really how it is for Rolls Royce, but um, Ferrari, if I recall correctly, Ferrari doesn't allow you to buy a Ferrari unless you have a Ferrari. Um, I think that's how it works. That's not very accessible. Not that it's affordable, but <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go and shake the couch and see if I can go buy a Ferrari. Anyway, I agree with Tall. Um, this is the car that I, if I want an EV for status, then this Rolls Royce is where I'm going to be at. So uh, Tull says um, when they went to France, took a train to Monaco. The first three cars that they saw were two Bentleys and a Rolls Royce Phantom. Felt so poor in that country. Yeah. Yeah. I Every once in a while, I see a luxury vehicle where, and it's just outside hometown where you just, how in the world are you seeing a luxury vehicle out here? Uh, I think, think they give you more a harder time. Uh, buying a Ferrari for the first time, there's usually a waiting list and uh, new guys get put at the bottom of that list. Yes, I agree. Okay, let's keep going. Um, yeah, buy a used one, folks. Then you get your foot in the door. Everything okay, AI? Oh, yeah. There's just a lot of um, distractions this yeah. evening because of the fireworks. Yeah, the problem with Diablo 4's endgame is that it's already uh, endgame. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase this. The next article is in Warcrafters. The problem with Diablo 4's endgame is that it's already happened by the time you hit max level. They say here that they're only level 65 and they've already and they're ready to quit Diablo 4 until the first season arrives later this month. I didn't. Oh, man. <laughs> 
I've already won the game um, only at the lower level and I haven't moved on to the next levels only because I just don't have time to do them. Um, and uh, now the next season is coming, which basically resets stuff and then you keep moving forward, try to get first, that kind of thing. It's like a competition. Um, they've had their fill of the end game grind, even though they're not even close to the game's level cap, which is 100. But by the time you're 50, you've already completed basically the, the first part of the game, which is defeating Lilith. Um, now, you can redo that sequence at higher and higher level until you're at, you either go hardcore or you do tier four, um, where everything is harder. Pardon me one second. I swear I'm either going to cough or I'm going to sneeze in every episode. Um, anyway, uh, so it says no one's forcing me to play. I know, but having the most fun part of the ARPG uh, play itself out before you reach max, le max level, honestly, just feels strange. What's left to look forward to? You really do. Thank you, Tull. Um, yeah. Yeah, no worries. Um, so uh, I had uh, basically by watching a few people, I knew that they were going to win the game, end the, the storyline halfway through their gameplay. And then they're going to sit there and um, kind of grind their way to 100. And to me, that was just boring as hell. And I intentionally started to slow down the story, even in my playthrough. I was telling people, I, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow down. Um, and I decided that at one point, well, I can't slow down enough. There isn't enough side quests for me to actually uh, keep going uh, without basically just grinding anyway. So let's just end the game and do the grind. Uh, now, though... At least the next season is about to kick off. So the article's over at PCGamer.com. Sarah James is the author. It says you feel like you have to keep playing after the fun stops, which is true. I mean, the whole story ends uh, halfway through. So I don't know why they constructed it that way, but they sure as hell it's did. Like a, it's a weird structure, it seems, but... So I was so uh, in another tune and during the pre-launch uh, events, because um, I was one of those early adopters where I paid extra to get uh, beta and pre-beta uh, access. And I, I was grinding so fast through it. I was like, oh, this, is, this is way too easy. And it was nothing more than a stress test in a beta forum. I knew that. I knew I wasn't going to keep the character. So they they reset anyway and so i said okay i'm not going to learn everything that i want from this game before i even play the game for real so i bowed out <laughs> horribly enough i didn't play far enough into the game to get the loot bonus for the early access stuff so i actually am missing something that i paid extra for uh, Tulsa's uh, frustration that they have with D4, and I know it's minor, uh, but in the but in the INI file, it defaults to skipping the intro movie. Oh, really? So, but like once you see it, it defaults the intro movie it, to skipping it. 
once you skip it once you skip it forever that kind of thing interesting i'm not sure if i'm reading that right um yeah the in the init file yeah uh oh okay yeah so you would think that it would it shouldn't just wipe it out after the first one it should start to play it and then you tell it to skip it but i guess it tells it automatically skips after the initial play i know that every time you create a character it does the it like the reinitial reinitialization of that character um, and its beginning but not the original intro movie the one that introduces you to um, lilith and all of the stuff <clears throat> okay well it says um they're only level 65 but they're ready to quit diablo 4 until the first season arrives yeah and i i've always I, i've had a problem with this since i learned how fast you would move through it it was very frustrating um to basically know that you're going to complete the game before you're level 50 and and then just grind I actually left World of Warcraft because it switched to that style of gameplay where all you do is grind, grind, grind to get to endgame. Um, but endgame for at least World of Warcraft is bound inside events um, against bosses, endgame bosses. But you have to keep on grinding even the same endgame bosses over and over and over again to get all of the endgame gear. Uh, to me, that was boring, so um do most people go to the very end of diablo 4 do you think or do they bail out i don't know how many people bail out after completion of the initial i know that every single streamer that isn't hell-bent on getting to 100 where they designate it i am going to 100 they bow out right after completing lilith um, typically, though, they're a little more hardcore about it than I am, and they play higher level tiers, and so they don't have to revisit, you know, tier two, tier three, tier four. Um, and certain things you can't get into until you complete the higher thing, so it's gated by completing certain things in certain tiers. Um, yeah, and Toll says again, there's it's another little nitpick um that they acknowledge as a little nitpick that every character has the exact same intro so instead of your character um being read in from a different location you all always appear in the same cave go through the same intro meet the same initial people part of the onboarding process um but it's just static and so when you do it twice you're like oh all of the characters are gonna do this regardless of what class they are and yeah. it's kind of that is kind of boring once you do it a couple of times you're like oh god not again so yeah like i did i just kept jumping through all of the early sequences and telling people look i've been through this like nine times i'm just gonna jump through it yeah um yeah, Toll's talking about WoW now. Um, you would run an instance dungeon at a minimum six times for a party of six players to get the purple drops from the boss for each class. And that was if RNG gods smile upon you and you get that purple each time and it just happens to get the unique class spec. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Been through all of that. And I'm back in the era 
I was a beta tester for a while, for vanilla while, uh, where you had to get 40 people to do an instance. Yeah, that, that was a blast though. I wish I would have remained um, involved in the guild and then I could have done what other streamers have done and transfer that straight into <laughs> streaming. Uh, but all of my stuff was before streaming. So um, anyway, here, let's keep on going through the rest of these articles. We've got quite a few still in tow. Uh, this next article is in the Smack Talk channel. I think I threw the last one into chat, but I apologize if I did not. Um, the death of Twitter, is it real this time? Thanks to threads. Um, we should compare notes still. You did beta a wow and played up until Burning Legion dropped, uh, then had kids and family. Yeah, sounds sounds pretty much pretty familiar. Oh, I didn't throw the last one in there. Yep. I was I was actually working on my MBA uh, when I said it's time for me to step away from wow um and then i found out i was going to be a dad so um so the death of twitter is it real this time thanks to threads reports of the death of twitter have been so far somewhat exaggerated musk have made some dumb decisions and then another one and then another one and then backed away sheer momentum this is what i i call it the aol um effect if it had just like Facebook, Facebook has the AOL aura. Uh, Twitter has the AOL aura. It basically a, a shit ton of kinetic energy moving it forward. Um, it could literally fall in its face, but it will still slide up the hill far enough uh, to maybe uh, pivot successfully just enough to give it some more kinetic energy to get a little bit further up that hill. How long it takes before it actually gets um, crushed by a competitor or everything gets balkanized and people go their separate ways into different regions don't know um so um toll says i was a freshly frocked second class petty officer and taking on more responsibility in the division and boat at at large and were you playing out there <laughs> Were you playing on a ship? <laughs> That's a hell of a, an internet bill. Um, Elon Musk says, hold my kombucha. Yep, this time Musk has not only achieved Michael Scott levels of ineptitude, but Meta has brought forward the launch of its Twitter rival threads in order to take advantage of the chaos. Yeah, and there's not, there's a lot of competitors that are also spinning up there. Um, well, they're, they're testing their scalability right now. Nobody can compete with Twitter because as soon as the masses from Twitter go over to something like Mastodon or, um, what's that other one that we were talking about? Doug on it. I was just trying to think of that name. Um, whatever it is. Anyway, they actually had to, put they the were brakes. running out of, right. Yeah, they had to put the brakes on it because they were being overwhelmed just by request. So you can imagine if they were actually dealing with real data, um, it would have been a hot mess. Well, anyway, um, I don't think that um, Twitter's going to die anytime soon. He's going to keep throwing money at it. Spill it, by the way. Huh? 
Spill was the one we were just talking about. Oh, Spill. Yeah, that's the one. Toll says they could never get into Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I didn't quite get it either. Or I should say I get it, but I don't. I mean, I understand how it works, but man, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, so here they even talk about it. Um, Twitter is popular because Twitter is popular. So far, Musk has done pretty or plenty of things to drive brands away from advertising on Twitter and plenty of things to annoy Twitter users. But each time, most of us have eventually shrugged and asked ourselves, where else are we going to go? So there's some alternatives. And they talk about Macedon, Blue Sky, Spill is the latest, uh, WT Social, Co-Host. None of these have attracted in mass except for maybe Macedon. Blue Sky has been mentioned in our streams in the past. Spill is just the latest. Um, I won't accept that, Tull, that statement right there. <laughs> Tull says, must be our age getting in the way. I am perpetually a teenager um, with bathroom humor, and I refuse to grow up. Um, is Reddit one-lined? Yeah, it's crossed out. Um, probably because Reddit is a hot mess, and while they're willing to make that statement, they're not r willing to say... Yeah, I really go there um, because they put the kibosh on third party uh, applications accessing at a reasonable rate their API. Um, and uh, we've talked about that, too, in the past. And basically, uh, Reddit is becoming <laughs> rather antisocial for a social network. Um, yet the CEO has rightly called it all out. You'll be back. <laughs> it's pretty pretty brutal you know but it's true so every time somebody sits there and says something out something yeah, negative about the pinnacle Reddit, of customer service they're, they're back you know yeah it's kind of i joke about it it's kind of like the cat that's sitting off to the side going that's right scoop my poo i'm watching you go you know you're gonna do it go scoop my poo so the death of Twitter is already real for many, but this is different. Instead of merely implementing policies and making Twitter a more annoying and less pleasant place to be, what Musk has done this time is put the platform somewhere on the scale of almost totally unusable to completely broken. It's because he's throttled what people can do. Even searches are broken from my understanding. Um, and you can't find people, you can't find things, you can only look at, even if you're, even though you're paying for it, you're limited to 8,000 tweets, I think it is. Um, ben Lovejoy over at 9to5Mac, I, I don't know if I said it at the beginning, but anyway, they put together this long article about the, the death of Twitter. And with threads coming on, it's going to usurp a lot of that power from Twitter because it's now congealing two major functions, Twitter and Facebook. Facebook already has billions of daily views, daily users. Um, it, it's still a juggernaut. It it completely eclipses AOL in its entire history in one day, basically. Um, so with threads, it'll kind of nip at the heels of Twitter. But will, will this be enough to pull people back into the fold of Facebook? I certainly won't go back. Um, 
And I want to correct something. Uh, we talked about Spill and we talked about Blue Sky, but Blue Sky is actually the one that basically had to turn people away, not Spill. Oh, really? I thought it was Spill that turned off um, registering. Uh, it was Blue Sky. Oh, I got them mixed up. Gotcha. <laughs> Told says, I grow older, but refuse to grow up. That's true. That's me. Uh, I keep trying to do things that the kids are doing. Then after they go to bed, uh, ice and heat up every joint in your body. Yeah. <laughs> Just get stock in uh, uh, aspirin medicine or uh, aspirin companies. Um, I, I don't want to say painkiller companies because that sounds a little bit too. Uh, opioid epidemic. Opioid supporting, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like aspirin. Uh, Tylenol or something like that. That way you can get dividends from the companies and at least offset how much money you're paying them. Get some of it back eventually. So the author of this article over at 9to5Mac says, yep, I think the death of Twitter could be real. I just don't see it. Um, I think what's going to end up happening is it'll get acquired um, to mitigate the losses that Elon Musk will eventually have to suffer um, or uh, it will it will be reacquired by some other company and by way of that he will be able to acquire it at a lower amount <laughs> mitigating his loss but still retaining control of Twitter it's going to be this weird machination of a proxy purchase um, at a lower rate because he used other people's money as well as some of his own, but he's getting juice from the day-to-day -day operations. When it generates revenue, he's getting money from it. It's going into paying the debts. Um, if he's not making any money, then I really don't understand why he would purchase this in any possible way other, other than to outright kill it. You know, there, there was a lawsuit against a publishing company that was so strong that it killed the entirety of the website and it, all of its subordinate parts got broken off and sold to other companies. One company purchased a whole plethora of them. It was basically spun out. Um, and I don't want to get into all of that because it, um, it, there's a lot of stuff behind it but essentially the website collapsed because of this one lawsuit but it was funded by somebody else and it was designed so that it would crush that company and all of its subordinate parts would have to break away because they basically made claims that were libelous and they were you know brought down because of it this is like the same thing, except that it was designed to shut off all real communication in an open forum with minimal influence, historically minimal influence behind the scenes. Yet now it's much more overt that things are being manipulated on Twitter, right? Oh, suddenly there's a whole lot of people that are saying a bunch of stuff. So they're being cut off or they're being labeled as being publicly funded. Or uh, how could it possibly be that people aren't getting Elon Musk's tweets? 
yet suddenly now the algorithm is modified so that everybody gets his tweets, regardless of the fact that you don't give a crap what he says. Um, and, and then there's, well, now there's AI that's scraping a, the, the Twitter system. And so they put it behind a paywall and now they even cap what you can view. Yet it's supposed to be the bastion of freedom of speech. Yet there's more hate speech now than ever before. I was reading that people were complaining that they couldn't even read their own tweets with the new caps. Yeah, that's exactly it. They were even, this is what they're talking about right here. Many people found that they were getting rate limited every time they refreshed their timeline, either automatically or manually. Brands are stuck unable to tweet because the old version of TweetDeck stopped working, and the new version doesn't support the Teams feature, which allows a single PR or marketing agency to tweet on behalf of different brands. Just an example, here's my own Twitter feed looks like right now. This is, <laughs> this is Ben Lovejoy, the author of this article. Can't even read their own. Um, it's just shocking, shockingly antagonistic of its user base. It's almost like he's trying to punt people out. Why would you hobble a social network by putting these kind of breaks in place? Don't tell me AI is becoming a burden because a whole lot of people have said in the past, all of this was working until Elon Musk took the reins. The whole system was working. It was actually making money. It just wasn't highly profitable. You know, it wasn't one of those three comma uh, unicorn type businesses. Still says maybe because what he said his mission was to eliminate the twit bots and misinformation on the platform, except that that's not what's happening. Um, AIs are still running. Bots are still running. Um, people are pretending to be other people still. All you have to do is pay eight bucks and you become flagged as a legitimate um, blue check mark. It just doesn't work that way. So I don't know. Um, do I think that it's going to die? No, it has too much momentum. It's going to die eventually. All things do. Uh, but I suspect that it'll be acquired, pivot back to the way that it used to be, if they can find the bones, you know, because who knows how many things he's actually wiped out from the system instead of leaving it sitting there um, and just commented out, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think Twitter is a hot mess, but let's keep on going. We still have quite a few articles to go through. Uh, this next one is in Late Night Geeks. Netflix teases Japanese lineup full of zombies, robots, and Pokemon. Uh, Anime Expo took place over the weekend, and Netflix used the opportunity to show off some of its upcoming slate of Japanese programming. It wasn't all anime either. In addition to animated series, we also got a look at live-action zombie flick ZOM 100, and some new details on the streamer's One Piece adaptation, which headlined Netflix's recent Tudum event. So I have not looked at Netflix for a while. Um, I, I think I stumble in there periodically just to see if there's anything that piques my interest, but like Black Mirror is probably the only thing that really is interesting me um, right now. At Anime Expo 2023, the company showed off new looks and details for Pokemon Concierge. Zom 100, One Piece, and more. Andrew Webster over at The Verge put this article together. 
I would play videos, but uh, every time I've played a Netflix video uh, on the stream, I've gotten a notice. Um, so ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead. This this looks like um, Zombieland kind of a thing, maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm going to hit play and then silence it. If that made your phone ring... <laughs> And it snuck in. Anyway, everybody apparently turned into a zombie in ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead. An adaptation of the manga of the same name is about a guy named Akira who wakes up one day to find his town has been overrun with undead or with the undead. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So uh, that's actually pretty freaky. Pokemon Concierge. Got a first look at the incredible, adorable stop motion uh, series back in February, and this new behind the scenes video showed just how cute the characters really are. More importantly, it confirms that the series will start streaming in December of 2023. So I guess these are going to be real. It's a live action, but with animated stop motion. Um, uh, let's just play it a little bit of it. <clears throat> So the video is basically just showing the, the stop motion aspect of it. And uh, this actor is voicing one of the characters. Oh, so the whole thing is going to be stop motion. I don't know about the live action aspects of it. Let's see if there's some of it. Do they show some of it? Sorry, I'm going to jump through. That's always cool to watch how that process works. That's pretty neat. I've done some of that stuff in my past. Um, it's kind of neat. Wow, everything looks so real, but smaller, right? It's pretty cool. Um, I don't know much about Pokemon Concierge, so we'll have to take a look at it and see if maybe there is some um, stuff that takes place. Well, and of course, uh, in, they're going to have the uh, characters for sale, so I'm sure that'll be a hit. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, then they have Pluto. I'm going to kind of scroll through this really fast now. Uh, One Piece, which is very well known in Beastars. Uh, it says Netflix confirmed that the third and final season of the anime Beastars will stream sometime in 2024. It's described as a new chapter that takes place after the final battle from season two, which premiered back in 2021. So I guess they're, it's new every two years. So, okay, so uh, let's go on to the next article. This one's in Hometown Daily. Oh, you know what? I have neglected again. I don't know how far back I have not been putting the articles into the chat, I swear. Oh, it's going to be so great when the URL is fixed in the, in the election page. Um coming soon i'm hoping that it'll, it'll be um all set up this week okay so the next article is over in hometown daily over half a million silver coins just vanished now the metals dealer behind the quote-unquote fraudulent scheme must pay 146 million dollars a precious metals dealer has been asked to pay up 146 million dollars in damages over there uh, half a million silver coins went missing so why would 146 million in damages hmm. 
Robert Higgins ran a fraudulent and deceptive scheme linked to the purchase and sale of precious metals, the CFTC said. From 2014 to 2022, Higgins led a fraudulent silver leasing program that took deposits from almost 200 customers. So I guess half a million coins went missing, but I suspect 200 customers, if all of them paid somewhere around a million, then yeah. Pretty interesting. Right, and those coins could be worth quite a bit. So Joseph Wilkins over at Markets Insider, which is a part of businessinsider.com, put the article together um, and describes this Higgins character. Um, the vault where precious metals dealer Robert Higgins claimed to be storing over half a million of his client's silver coins was found in, uh, by investigators to be empty except for little boxes of paper IOUs. <laughs> God. Now the 68-year-old has been ordered by a Delaware court to pay $146 million in damages as punishment for leading an elaborate scam that misappropriated almost $115 million of his customers' money over a period of eight years, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission said in a statement. Wow. You know, I don't get these schemes that run for quite a while, but I guess it's one of these that if they think their money's invested, they're not accessing it, etc. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Higgins ran a fraudulent and deceptive scheme and was ordered to pay $113 million to clients and $33 million in penalties. Ow. See, why does that seem like it is extremely punitive? Yet when you find other things, the, the crime and the punishment don't seem to be equally aligned like this. Um, the precious metals industry has been a series of scams in recent times. In March, the London Metal Exchange was rocked, so to speak, when investigators found bags of stones in a Rotterdam warehouse instead of the nickel that underpinned some of the bursts' contracts. By the way, we talked about this here in Ometown. Um, it was quite quite interesting to find out it, because the uh, London Metal Exchange had at the time one of the most respected uh, reputations in the industry as never having any of these kind of issues. And lo and behold, I like how they threw that in there. Rocked. Ah, how they threw that yes. in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's keep on hustling. Well, and I, I still don't know if they know whether that happened before the items arrived, but either way, it, it calls into question what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's one last little bit in the article. Just a few weeks before that, uh, Trafigura, a trading house based out of Singapore, accused metals tycoon Pratik Gupta of faking $500 million of nickel shipping cargoes. This, is, this too, is... Uh, something that we talked about in uh, hometown. So it, it seems like uh, we're catching wind of all of this <laughs> shenanigans with nickel, apparently. Um, because I think that the, yeah, the one in the Rotterdam warehouse was supposed to be nickel as well. I don't know what's going on here. Hmm. I have a sense for these things. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, I say we give them no quarter. No. Here's a penny for your thoughts. Uh, takes more than a penny nowadays. So um, inflation. Um, the next article is over in 
Um, the mobile channel, uh, sometimes, not sometimes, we try to kind of pull some international news into hometown. This here is a legal battle looms over London's expanding vehicle pollution fee. Uh, the UK court on Tuesday uh, will consider contentious plans to extend a scheme obliging the most polluting vehicles to pay for London using London's roads as opponents engage in protests and even sabotage. That's true. Connecticut, uh, Toll says Connecticut is looking to do away with the gas tax and replace it with an annual mileage tax. Well, <laughs> I suppose that they would end up getting less from me since I don't go anywhere anymore. <laughs> I don't need to. Um, pretty fast. That's interesting. And then I wonder how they would measure that. Yeah. I guess, you know, when you register your car, you declare how many miles you drive. Your insurance and and that declaration would all have to equate. Interesting. I don't know. Whenever you register your car, you actually have to give your vehicles mileage. You know that people are going to be doing shenanigans. I'm curious about that too, Tull. So uh, the high court case comes just weeks before London Mayor Sadiq Khan's expansion of the ultra low emission zone or ULEZ or ULEZ is set to make uh, take effect. The scheme, first introduced in 2019 and separate from the city's two decades old congestion charge, requires more polluting vehicles uh, to pay a 16 US dollar or 12 pound 50 um, toll on days they are driven within inner London. Wait, you have to pay $16 per day when you're driving in inner London? Is, that's how I'm reading that? Requires that's more, right. Requires well, the vehicles that have the heavier pollution. So, I mean, is that the regular passenger vehicles or is that things like maybe buses or trucks? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I not guess saying whatever... those pollute more. I'm just saying they're larger, larger vehicles. Yeah, It's an extension to all of Greater London from August 29th has prompted a fierce backlash from many living in and around the newly encompassed areas who face fines up to 160 pounds for each day they fail to pay. It ain't right. They're hitting working class people again, Chris Fordham, 62, told AFP as he pulled up at a supermarket just beyond London, uh, East, Southeast London in his non-compliant 2012 diesel van. I'm thinking about picking up work, added the self-employed builder who crosses into the capital almost daily, blaming the imminent new charge and other soaring costs. That's insane. It reads like you have to pay $16 a day just to drive within inner London. That's insane. Yeah. And that seems like it's like uh, a have and have not. Um, Cause I suspect the people that are going to get charged the most are the, probably the same people that can't afford more eco-friendly vehicles. Well, I mean, they have to, uh, more people have to hustle than not, right? To make money. So 16 bucks a day, that cannot be well, right. That's, I mean, I don't know what the hourly pay is in London, but in the U.S., that's more than an hour's worth of work, for example. Yeah. Oh, that is, that's crazy. Um, they should be putting their energy and resources into bringing down air pollution, not an, a, a key 
anti-pollution measure, said Ariba Hamid of Greenpeace UK. Khan, re-elected to a second term in 2021, ordered the new measure in November, despite a public consultation suggesting most Londoners oppose it. Well, I mean, you don't do things because they're popular. You do things because it's needed at times. You know, sometimes you do things that are popular because not only are they popular, but they're needed. Um, This seems punitive. If I'm really reading that, it really seems like it's designed to keep people out of inner London. Um, So I guess they're trying to get you to get your steps in. But Tull says it won't do a lot of good. Um, the, The change to annual mileage tax because... A lot of people in Connecticut evade property tax by registering their vehicles in other states. How do they get away with it? Eventually it has to catch up with these people. I don't know. My brain just doesn't work in that manipulative way. You know, I might miss something because I just fail to realize that it needs to get done this way or that way. But to be very cognizant of the fact that... (laughs) Hey, I'm going to register my car in another state so I don't have to pay the 250 bucks every other year or whatever it is in Connecticut. I don't know. Um, Depends on your vehicle, I suppose. So it says that it's harmful. The labor mayor 52 suggests the bigger ULEZ will help improve the city's toxic air pollution, which causes thousands of annual deaths and life-changing illnesses. Yeah, I don't think that the london vehicle population is the cause of that i think that just general and and that just it (laughs) so some micro regional policy is going to impact the greater atmospheric condition of pollution in an entire country come on give me a break it's like saying that well there's no such thing as global warming or climate change because it's perfect today in the middle of summer and it's 75 degrees and humidity is low. I think it's kind of, that's kind of batshit crazy. Toll says it's virtual virtue signaling at its finest. Certainly seems that way. It's trying to make a microcosm out of a policy and it's not going to fix the solution. Uh, It's not going to fix the problem. If you have, toxic air pollution keeping cars out of a particular little region is just that little bit you know well and the worst polluters that can afford to do it are just going to keep driving in and polluting and paying for it particularly like if it's corporate yeah you don't have people blowing coal because it's effective it's because they can do it they they can sit there and spew that stuff all over people because they can not because of any other reason reason other than that they're probably being a d-bag about it anyway um phil elliott 59 a haulage industry driver who has long campaigned against aspects of london's road charging schemes has been spearheading opposition largely through facebook there is your problem now facebook might be effective in this because maybe the population is very entrenched in facebook anyway let's keep on going we have two more articles um the next article is uh somewhat environmental but highly focused in tech uh fireworks replaced by drone shows over environmental fire concerns 
Boulder, Colorado, one of the one of several U.S. cities to ditch fireworks in favor of drones, made the change due to increased fire danger fueled by climate change. Um, this is an article over at Newsweek. I must have scrolled down a little bit. Um, Ayla Slisko. Let me throw this article into chat. There you go. Um, next show, I will not be late on these links i apologize i again we I, I tried to change my workflow to make it easier and i broke something in the process but we'll get it right um anyway uh fireworks replaced by drone shows over environmental and fire concerns ayla slisco over at newsweek.com put this article together i don't think that this video has anything to do with it uh, but it says dramatic video shows residents flee from drive-by fireworks in minneapolis um, there have been videos in the past and i'm sure that there's some this this year where people are firing bottle rockets at people and crowds and stuff like that and it can sometimes set fire to things um, and harm people um, anyway salt lake city utah boulder colorado uh, North Lake Tahoe, Nevada are among the cities ditching fireworks in favor of drone displays this year while lacking the sound of real life explosions and the familiar smell of sulfur in the air. Custom choreographed drone shows offer an animated visual experience that would not be possible with traditional fireworks. Frankly, for something taking place once a year, I think I don't like this. <laughs> I love fireworks and and really, it's this one period uh, in the year where you can actually do this. I mean, a lot of baseball stadiums uh, um, do fireworks displays throughout the year when they can. Um, I think budgets might be taking a hit and they're not doing it as much. But Fourth of July, for crying out loud, it's the one time where probably it should be okay to have some civilized fireworks display um as opposed to i don't know people blowing up stuff on the side of a hill because they've got a howitzer in their backyard and you know <laughs> some contact explosive sitting out there in a vehicle why not do this you know one event i i don't really get it but they're talking about it being environmental which i think this is kind of low-key nothing um and uh fire uh probably being a reason uh but it really depends on the region um these particular regions might be suffering from uh the possibility well, of fires i don't know about all of these but i know like boulder colorado had pretty severe fires um yeah. about last summer um, but also, I mean, I think that most of the problems are not necessarily with the city displays, but the residential, somebody's just firing something and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to me that cities are shutting these down, whereas maybe they need to go after the, the other ones, although that's hard to, to, uh, yeah. Enforce. So like the i think the the problem with the like the fireworks display there's rules and regulations for public firework displays right but there's a lot of people that just grab a bunch from a 40-foot container down the road 
Um, or they go to a state that actually has fireworks, bring it into a state that doesn't have it. Toll says it's virtual signaling again, and uh, I agree uh, to a point. So um, I'll, I'll say what I was thinking um, because I, I think you're right. Um, only anyway, so regular Joes, people like me who want to fire fireworks, don't necessarily. Uh, understand the complexity of the environmental conditions that might lead to a fire and all it takes is one wonky firework and you're setting a house on fire or a forest on fire or something else on fire or somebody's going to get hurt and while you and i might run out there and put it out or uh, accept responsibility for what's going on. There's a whole lot of people out there that will just get in their car and drive away and pretend that nothing ever happened. Meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of acres burned down and houses and people are hurt and whatnot. Um, but man, drone shows are boring as hell. I, I, it's fantastic technology and it's really cool to see it happening. But fireworks is just an amazing thing. Um, Tulsa says that they don't have the statistics, but they don't think that too many wildfires have been started by Aaron professional licensed fireworks displays. Correct. Yeah. I don't think so either. Um, I do know for a fact that there have been some, uh, errant professional licensed firework displays though, because, uh, the AI who I put on a USB drive and went to a fireworks display in Southern California once witnessed hundreds of fireworks all going off at the exact same moment. It was like a, an atomic bomb went off. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't think anybody got hurt during that, but a whole lot of people had ringing ears because they were directly underneath where this thing launched from a barge. It was a massive, it was like somebody just took uh, a, a nail and just raked the uh, the launch device, you know, just way. okay, I'm just going to short everything. And they just all went off at once. And it was this massive explosion where you could feel the heat coming off of it. And, and we were like hundreds of feet away um, trying to, well, I was eating dinner and the AI was analyzing uh, their meal for their data. Anyway, <laughs> I have to frame everything like that. So it says, however, the new displays are largely being adapted over concerns about fireworks, potentially polluting the environment and triggering wildfires, particularly in fire prone Western states uh, during the often hot and dry summer season. So I get it. But if, if you've ever seen a drone show, drone is probably the right word for it. You just kind of sit there and you're listening to music, but uh, snooze fest. I mean, these drones had better explode into a fireworks display because just watching them pivot around every two minutes or so is, is watching dry white toast slowly dry up the atmosphere around it. Yeah. Crazy cat lady says I'll skip the drone shows. Would rather watch paint dry. Paint drying is a little bit more exciting than a, drone show 
Again, they're neat, but they are not fireworks displays on 4th of July. It's not doing that much damage to the atmosphere. Come on. At the end of the day, there's a little bit of non-combustible material and some paper hitting the ground. <laughs> of course, I've also been in range where they've detonated too close to the hillside that everybody was standing on and we were getting pelted by <laughs> fireworks debris <laughs> like uh you know what i'm gonna put my glasses on and put a hat on and, and block some of this because people were sitting there going oh my god i'm getting hit that was an interesting fourth of july too okay maybe they have a point everybody <laughs> let's just go full drone <laughs> no just kidding drone shows are boring See, now we lost drone uh, manufacturers. But we still have firework But we still have fireworks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hometown for all your explosive needs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to the last article uh, for today in the Late Night Geeks channel. There's a lot of sci-fi streaming this summer. Uh, it's already been a pretty eventful summer for science fiction fans. Last week we saw the finale of Apple's post-apocalyptic series Silo. We haven't watched any of that. Um, Strange New World Season 2 is keeping Star Trek going through August. Yay. Disney Plus is still in the midst of Secret Invasion. I haven't watched any of that. I'm waiting for it all. Um, it's Alien Conspiracy Offshoot of the MCU. Uh, oh, and there's The Return of Black Mirror, which I've only seen the beginning of one episode. All because my mayoral duties are keeping me from watching the show. But don't let that stop you from following us here on Twitch and over on YouTube and the podcast. And don't let anything that I'm telling you today stop you from leaving a review, um, making a comment. Uh, I don't know. Other than a whole bunch of people showing up in the stream, I don't know how to um, get seen on Twitch. Like in its own discoverability process. There's like zero discoverability. Most of the time it's people coming here via uh, raids and stuff like that. Um, so, um, yeah, let, let's go over to uh, the source of this. Andrew Webster again uh, from The Verge, from Star Wars spinoff to epics on Apple TV+. Plus. It's going to be easy time for genre fans. Um, I'm going to have to talk with Tull here. I hate that Apple has its own exclusive streaming app and it has a ton of exclusive videos. I really wanted to watch Greyhound, but I'm not supporting Apple. Hmm. Should I open Pandora's box? Sure. Why? Um, so it says it's already been pretty eventful summer for science fiction fans. If you haven't watched Strange New Worlds, it's awesome. Um, if... If you like um, well-written bottle episodes with great soundstage and atmosphere, then you'll dig uh, this season's and first season's, but this season in particular, Strange New Worlds. Um, if you are a, a <laughs> uh, an empathetic person um, who 
uh, isn't necessarily shy of witnessing emotion, raw emotion, and understanding the human condition and can bond with a character, because obviously this is an actor, you'll dig Strange New World Season 2. Um, the, the two episodes, I think it's only two so far, um, have been epic. Uh, they've actually been in a bottle, both of them, um, and just hitting it out of the park. I haven't seen anything with Secret Invasion other than the artificial intelligence issue. Um, <clears throat> sorry, one second. Is it okay to talk about that, Toll? Like, I don't know if you want me to um, relay everything and discuss it, like, on the audio. So, um, on top of all of that, there are also a number of series making their debut in the coming weeks and months. So many, in fact, that you might need a little help plotting out your precious free time. So here's a handy list to make life a little easier. And I'm going to throw this into chat so that you too can go. Gotcha, Toll. Just making sure. So there's the URL that'll take you through hometown over to The Verge. Um, if you've never seen Foundation, um, it's an interesting um, series about a what seems like a harmonious, somewhat harmonious civilization of humans and humanoids. I don't know if everybody is defined as a human in the series, um, but they're all everybody's bipedal and human looking. Um, but maybe from other planets and thus not necessarily quote unquote human. Um, but it trends along a eugenics cloning kind of storyline and uh, also kind of keys into its low key Warhammer 40k beginning. Quite fascinating in its structure. Um, and it starts leaning towards Game of Thrones, the totalitarian, uh, <laughs> just overt violence, but without all of the violence, because it's so subtle about how it does things. Um, but you'll dig it. I mean, Foundation is really interesting and um, you should go back and watch all of Foundation and then watch uh, season two. Uh, I had stopped watching Futurama uh, for many, many years. Uh, I don't know that much about it, but I love the phrase, kiss my shiny metal ass. Um, so that's where it comes from. And uh, if you're interested in uh, pithy little statements like that, then you definitely want to watch Futurama. There's a lot of uh, story and world building in there too. Um, Invasion season two, um, haven't watched it. Um, not season two, at least. I, I watched the beginning the, the first season of Invasion. Uh, it ended rather abruptly. Um, and so I'm, I'll, I'll be uh, awaiting this. I think the pandemic really put a lot of breaks on uh, people. And then Ahsoka is a new one that's coming out. That one's pretty much self-explanatory. Tells the story of Ahsoka Tano. And uh, then Loki season two, which that hasn't been heard of since when pre-pandemic seems it's like three it's years. been eon since loki season one yeah so loki loki will be coming back hopefully it won't be low-key <laughs> get it anyway 
Okay, I don't tell all of them as good jokes. That was 2021. It feels like it was longer than that. Really? Wow, I thought it was longer back than that. My goodness. It certainly feels that way. So Toll said that they had an Apple product um, a while back and didn't like the interface because they didn't have an Apple computer to interface with it. Plus, as a company, they seem really snooty or stuck up. Yeah, it can come across like that. Um, But nowadays, you don't really need like an Apple tablet. You don't need a computer um, to use it. Uh, An iPhone, you don't need any other device to use it. Not anymore. There was a time when you had to connect it uh, to be highly efficient for backups and other stuff like that, but they've gotten their act together. Um, as for snooty, eh, they're expensive. Uh, they don't hold their retail value like they used to. And, uh, because of that, their prices, while their main products are pretty, they're sorry, their top end, um, products are still expensive. Some of them wildly expensive. The dollar per performance really is extraordinary um that said if you don't get the cutting edge of their phone their watch their uh, tablet um you can you can do it all without a computer and it's drop dead simple restoration security installing software um intercommunication between the devices etc and so i really do like apple devices um i can't say that i like their old school um representations of themselves because that's exactly what the culture was it was exclusive um and and priced out a great number of people Uh, i never bought apple products um for a tremendous amount of time um but when I started using them, I actually started digging them. And so, but I've got everything. I've got <laughs> Raspberry Pi. I've got uh, Arduino. I've got Linux devices. I've got um, Apple and Windows all over the place. Virtual machines of uh, Linux distributions and old school Windows stuff. Um, until all says... Um, where do you go with that series? Which series? Sorry. Um, Toll also says uh, one of the big turnoffs with Apple is that even with the court issued warrant of gathering evidence in a felony case, Apple refuses to unlock a phone or assist in the investigation unless they recently changed that policy. Well, depending on what it is, they don't even have access to unlock a phone. Depending on how it's all configured, what was done, um, they don't have a back door and they won't produce a back door because a back door in its very nature is designed to be opened by somebody and it is a massive security hole. Um, so they've, they've broken off security. So it's all on device. They can't remotely unlock it. Only you can, um, but there are ways to do it. It just can take a tremendous amount of time. Like I can do an entire bitwise copy of the chipset that's holding the data, create a virtual machine of the device, and then attempt again and again, um, accessing it in a virtual machine interface. 
nefarious people still hack iPhones. It's very tough though. Um, you have to be in possession of it and it has to be unlocked. Uh, a locked iPhone is largely impervious to access. Again, it takes a tremendous amount of time unless they have a weak password, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> which isn't unheard of. The weakest link in the entire chain um, is the human component um, and a weak password. So, yeah, and this stands to reason with all devices and the fact that if you actually get access to a piece of technology, the sky's the limit for attempts to access it. Windows is a is a sieve. Android is largely a sieve. Um, but in an unlocked phone is absolutely <laughs> open to access. So I was actually challenged by somebody to access their device. And um, all I have to do, I'm waiting for my moment. I have a device that I can plug into their phone. Uh, and all I need is about 15 seconds for them to go and get a cup of coffee at the right moment. And I'll have access to their device. Um, but they said that I couldn't do it. And I said, well, you won't know it until I'm in. And so we've agreed. And it'll be quite interesting when uh, <laughs> I actually follow through. So, and Windows devices are even easier. Um, and security is is quite intriguing. So, it's one of my fields. So, at any rate, um, great conversation. Thanks for sharing, Toll. I know that Crazy Cat Lady might be out there. I don't know who else um, is in chat. I, I know that we have historically um, several lurkers that hang out. Um, you are like cats, the entities that power the internet you're, you're the people person. You're the people version of cats that power the internet. I, I guess I, am I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going with that, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with any of this. I, um, but thanks for all, uh, everyone hanging out. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, it means the world to me that you spend your time with me. I say this lately at the end of, uh, every show, um, the last three shows, it's just, it's really great to have people hanging out with us in, in chat. So, um, Joel says that they were going to just let me tap dance off that countertop. Yeah. Yeah. Right into oncoming traffic. I, I know <laughs> you're lurking when reading stories from hometown.com. Yeah, I hope you dig the site. Um, hometown was in, you know, we're at the end of the show, so I can actually drag us all back to the main street, hit that welcome sign. I need to turn this into a welcome to hometown uh, logo instead of just hometown. And um, yeah, oh, thanks, crazy cat lady. Um, yeah, be sure to. Like I don't look at who logs in and, and uh, who registers and stuff like that. Um, so if you're not registered, register, because then you can swipe um, left and right. Allows you to save and hide articles so that you're not bothered by them anymore. And they go into two more lists that show up in this column um, right here um, is a, is a remember list. In. I'm sorry? If you're signed in, it'll yeah, show If you're up signed there. in, you see it. 
but you can click on it with your mouse or if you're on mobile you can just swipe with your finger left or right and it'll save it to the left it'll hide it to the right and then you can go into each of those two lists and then swipe it one way or the other if you want to keep it or if you um, want to move it from the save to the hide um, a feature we added re relatively recently um, but everybody that has used it so far has really uh, enjoyed that experience and even within that list everything is broken out by the day so if you go scrolling through it and i can't do it today because there's probably how many articles were aggregated something like 600 800 today um the when we break from one day to another there's this separation and it coincides with all of these so you can go back all the way to 2020 and i went back in time and deleted about six more years worth of data um but i saved these we actually started publicly um, allowing access to hometown in uh, january 1st 2022 and so I decided to keep a little bit of news from the past, but I've been using this creation remotely for my own edification, my own use um, for a decade now. Um, but you can go back in time and actually look at the news like, huh, I wonder what happened on in uh, 2022, January uh, 14th, and then show it and it'll reach back and show it that fast this is what happened in the 24 hours of uh january what did i say 12th uh, january 14th 2022 and it'll have the little snippet but not the entire article but when hopefully oh and it won't have the picture because we added pictures recently um, but when you click on it it should take you to a page that has the snippet that is provided by the source and then when you click on it it'll take you to the source so it's kind of like an elephant, um, all encapsulated within one site. Um, and again, it's all the news without the noise. So you get to search for what you want and, um, you can go into each one of these and, and subscribe to you're automatically subscribed to all of these channels. Um, but you can unsubscribe from them if you're not interested in those. So when you go here, you shouldn't see things that are from a, a channel that you don't want. Um, it should be working like that. Um, but anyway, it's... You were just reading the elephant story? Really? There's an elephant story? Did I... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Is there really an elephant story? That would be funny if I said it's the... And now, oh, look at that. Elephants oh, have a very human absolutely. way of eating. <laughs> what the heck? I had no idea. I hadn't seen that. That was awesome. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, I hope you all enjoy the show. I hope you all enjoy Ometown. Um, uh, I, I, had, I had several people come to me um, just organically and say, you really need to, because I was showing people, you know, hey, I use this, um, all day, every day. And um, they're like, no, you, you need to open this up for more people. Can you give me access to it? And I'm like, well, it's not ready. January 1st, I opened it up to everybody. So, um, I hope 
that uh, people really enjoy it. So tell a friend. Um, there's only one ad. It's way down here, well below the fold. Um, the only time you might see it is if you click on a link and it's sitting right there again, and it's still below the fold in most people's uh, interfaces. Um, I, I don't collect user data. I don't sell user data. Um, the site is really there just to stoke people into reviewing the news. And I hope that you come here every day, 9 PM. I am going to be expanding this to other channels. Like I'm going to be launching reality hacker pretty soon. I promise I'm going to be launching reality hacker. It'll be a show that comes on right before, uh, hometown daily, but only once a week. Uh, I haven't decided on which day, um, each one of these is a single day weekly show. Um, and I hope to have a host or co-host. So Toll, if you're interested, are you into cars? You want to be the co-host on four wheel tech? We can, uh, drink beer and talk shop about cars. <laughs> have a good time, everybody. Um, we will be back, uh, tomorrow together at, uh, 9 PM, uh, Eastern and, um, I will be streaming tomorrow, uh, Dave, the diver some more. I'm absolutely in love with that game. Um, and possibly, uh, forever skies. Um, I need to reinstall it. So at any rate, that's it, uh, for today. We'll keep in touch till, uh, I am Marwat. That is hometown up. There is the AI that keeps me in check. You want to say good night. Oh, great AI. <laughs> Good night, hometown citizens. Um, thank you for those of you that joined the show tonight. Have a good evening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Stay awesome, everybody. Good night.